Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone. <coughs> I'm still on vacation, so <coughs> excuse me. So I want to just, I think that today's um, episode will be kind of brief. I, I do want to get to a, a bunch of the phone calls that I have, but I think I answered a, last, a lot of them in, in last week's um, um excuse me, episode, and I I hope that I'm not missing anybody, so please leave me a voicemail. I am checking the voicemails, and I, I will do my best to answer all the, all the questions that I get. Um, today, I kind of want to talk about cleaning. <laughs> um, cleaning, do I use my own products? Uh, Ellie Sheva called me from Israel and asked me, do I use my own products to clean? Um, um, I think it's a really great uh, question. Shalom has called me and asked me, you know, she's in a temporary apartment and she's surrounded by trash and she is realizing that um, the trash is sort of overtaking her and she's going to do better when she moves to try to reduce her trash. She's making a commitment to lessen her trash. After we clean up the trash, though, we still have to clean. So, Elisheva, your question is... Um, a great question. I'm going to talk about it a little more in detail. I do want to say this. Devorah from England called me and said she found a company called Eco Egg and they make bamboo um, reusable paper towels and you can reuse them up to 85 times. You just they probably come in a roll. I didn't actually check. Um, and you can probably snap them or Velcro them together and just pull one off, put it in the wash and then attach them together to each other when you want to do it so it works sort of like um, paper towels. Uh, I think that in theory this is a great idea, but I think, I don't know how much those cost, Devorah, but the thing is, is that we probably in our house have enough of our husband's or our son's old undershirts or even our daughter's t-shirts that we can cut the sleeves off and cut in half and then cut in half again um, and make rags. I keep a drawer in my kitchen where I just use rags. We stop using paper towels altogether. Um, I keep a bin next to my washing machine where the, the rags just sort of go into. When it's full, I throw them into the washer. Um, if you want to go ahead and you think that this will be like a nicer way for you to do this, by all means, spend the money. But I definitely think you can do it um, on a smaller budget. It's all about you know reusing whatever you can. Um, so, wow. Okay. So, so let's talk about, um, let's talk about cleaning products for a minute. Okay. So Elisheva lives in Israel. She's also Haredi. And she said that like the clothing is really, really important to her husband and how the clothing looks is really important to her. She really would like to get rid of using Chlad Pami altogether, but that's really hard for him, um, especially because they have a child who has special medical needs. Um, she's also wondering about general cleaning products in general. So let me just tell you what I know. This is going to be a little bit specific to Israel, but I'll do the best that I can to try to be inclusive. For general cleaning, um, I actually save my lemon peels. I usually have lemon water every morning. I save my lemon peels in a jar uh, with vinegar. I put like half vinegar and every time I get a lemon, I put in more and more lemon peels. And then I just put the vinegar after, I leave it there for like about a month. And then I come back with like this essential lemon vinegar. And it's really, really strong and it's really powerful. And it's pretty good at cleaning my countertops. 
and it lasts a really, really long time. I just use regular table vinegar and um, I put it in a spray bottle and then I spray it. Another brand that I really, really like, um, I'm not totally into like DIYers, DIY things, just because even though it sounds like a contradiction to what I just said to um, Devora, mostly just because I don't sort of like have the energy to investigate like what is the best cleaner. Um, I actually like a brand, now it's not available in Israel, but it is available in America, and a lot of ladies probably listening to it sell it actually. I really, really love the Shackley's brand. It lasts forever. It is super strong. Um, it comes in like a concentrate and then it comes with two spray bottles and you add different concentrations depending on um, what you you know what you're using it for and it's really really great and helpful and I really really like it a lot um, it also comes with a scrub which is a little better but Elisheva told me that she has a problem with ants so Elisheva what I'm going to tell you is this you can make um, uh, ant solution if you want the final solution for ants um, my friend in Zichorniakov she actually makes her own soaps her her brand is called Zoe um, and she um, actually gives away for free borax which is really really hard to get in Israel but in America it's easy to get um, she gives away borax and she hands you like you bring a jar and she'll fill a jar with borax and she'll give you the recipe for the solution um, to make and you just put in like a cotton pad and leave it wherever you have ants and it they take it back to their nest and um, it kills the ants that's really good um, for juke game for cockroaches I actually buy this gel it's it's they sell it in Israel but it's very expensive I actually have usually someone bring it for me from Israel. I mean, from America, and you just sort of put it where the roaches are congregating, and they drink it up like it's, you know, drugs, and they bring it back to their nest, and it kills their nest. It's not eco-friendly, but it actually kills them in the most, um, I think, environmentally friendly way for humans, because um, a lot of the um, cleaners for cockroach that, you know, repel against cockroaches in Israel are spreading the cleaners all over the floor so that they just you know are are they're coming in and eating it from the floor but i actually think like our kids play on the floor like why do we want to spread cockroach bait killer all over the floor um when we can just kill them in this more like or reduce them in in a better manner for our families and our own health so so that's something that i like i don't know the name you can go into any hardware store in israel and ask for the gel for the jukim um as far as um, dishwashing soap and detergent, I actually find that, and you can buy this brand, I don't know if you can buy it in England, but you can for sure buy it in America, and you can buy it in um, in Israel at Supersol and at Nitsan Hadouf Devan. Um, in America, you can get it in most grocery stores. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in Whole Foods. Um, it's called Ecover, E-C-O-V-E-R. Um, what I love about them is that they make a scent, unscented laundry detergent, which I hate the Israeli completely, totally over-scented laundry detergents. It drives me nuts. I can't stand the smell. It makes me break out in a rash. It's one of the only unscented ones. It's more expensive, I will tell you that, but to me, I... Um, I don't even, I mean, the kilo, seven kilo washers are small. I don't even use a whole capful and it really, um, cleans my, my clothes well, I think. And I put the vinegar in the rinse cycle. In the dryer, I actually have dryer balls. Um, 
They're like, I've had them for years, probably 10 years. They're like PVC balls. They're actually really not great for the environment. You can get woolen balls, um, or you can use clean new tennis balls, put them in the dryer and it helps fluff the fabrics naturally so that you don't need to actually add fabric softener. Um, it actually is a huge, huge cost savings because um, um, you know, you don't need to buy fabric softener every time. I'm not actually sure if I have those up on my website or not. So I'll double check about the dryer balls. Um, and I'll add them to Balagon Be Gone forward slash AK. So, so yeah, so that's that. Um, so I've addressed, let's see, let me just go through my checklist here. You said you had a problem with ants. We talked about the dish soap. That's the Echover brand. Um, the ants was the borax. You will probably be able to get it other where, other places. People who make soap often have access to it. Um, so if you know any other soap makers, but, um, that could be a good way for you to get borax or you can make a trip up to Zichroniakov and you can get it. Dish soap and, and, uh, dish soap and, um, laundry detergent. I use the Ecover brand. Um, how can I get my husband to use less chad pami? <laughs> okay. So this is like the, the most like in-depth question or the most popular question, one of the most popular questions that I get. I really want to reduce my chad pami, but my family's not on board or my husband's not on board or how do I get my kids to wash the dishes? The thing is, is this is a slow process. It has taken me a long time to get to the no chad pami, um, no chad pami state. <laughs> um, actually, we had a going away party for Sudash Lishit a few weeks ago and um, it's funny because my friend said, my friend who was coordinating it with me at my house is also very um, eco-friendly and she's like, how about if I bring the chad pummy? And I'm like, you know, you can bring some if you want, but I think that I have enough dishes and everything that I can just, you know, I have service for 30 in my silverware. I bought the compostable plates and I composted them for, um, for the snacks. The napkins were also, are also able to be composted. Um, the only things that we were using that we were having, tr like that are really hard to compost or recycle is the plastic cups. So I think overall we didn't have much more garbage than we normally have, just the plastic cups. And she actually left the cups at my house and I was so upset because I was like, what am I going to do with plastic cups? I never use them. Um, <laughs> so I think that it just takes education and time. If you stop buying them, there won't be in the house. Um, if that's going to be a shaman bias problem, I think there's enough things that you can do to get around the chad pummy um, that it's worthwhile to like, especially if your husband is on board with all those other things, like you said he is. Um, I think that it's, it's worthwhile to be like, Either I'm not going to buy it and he can just suffer if that's what you want to do. Or you can say to him, like, you know, these are the few things that I'm willing to acquiesce on and compromise on. Um, but can we make a plan for how long it can be till we phase them out? And I think that when you have, like, an open dialogue about things that you want to change in your life with your partner um it's really really helpful and and it makes a big difference i mean i know when i am having an issue with the way that my husband does something i can say to him like 
Um, like I told everybody last week, my husband does the baking and I do the cooking. Um, I told my husband that like I really want to you know make sure that our products are healthier and can we switch from using canola oil to coconut oil and we made like a time when we were phasing out the coconut the canola oil and the vegetable oils um, and we sort of and the margarines and we sort of almost exclusively use coconut oil when we're baking and um, you know, he has learned how to compensate for the sweeter taste in the oil, which is actually better since the coconut oil is, has a slightly, um, Swedish taste. Um, you can actually reduce the amount of sugar that you, that you use because, um, you don't, you don't need as much sugar. So, so that's actually a nice health benefit too. But, um, the point is, is that sure we have conflict of ideas about what should happen but I think like ultimately my husband is on board with the whole let's be healthier kind of aspect of our lives and he's he he's willing to make the changes but giving us like a timeline um actually really helped because it's like now we sort of know what what to expect what to do what where to be like you know it's just I, I don't know that that's something that really works for us now I'm not a marriage counselor I'm not any kind of counselor I am a personal organizer oftentimes I encounter issues where wives want to be one place and husbands want to be another or husbands want to be in one place and wives are at another place and it's and it's a problem and so we definitely have conflicts to resolve even as personal organizers um, even in the organization realm where like husbands are like, I want nothing. And wives are like, well, we need something. And husbands are like, no, I need everything. And wives are like, no, I want nothing. So we definitely have these like conflicts and struggles in marriage. I mean, we're two people, we're two different people with two different ideas. Now, either you can look at it as the point is to sway your husband to, you know, come over to your side, or you can say like, my husband is a real person and he has needs. <laughs> I'm not saying which is right and which is wrong. All I'm saying is that when you look at the situation sort of as a whole, whether or not you're organizing or whether or not it's an issue about chad pami or it could be about money, it could be about how you raise your kids, it could be about any, any type of conflict that you have in your marriage, you have to come to like sort of a common ground area. So like, if this is a problem for you, if the chad pami is a problem for you, for the ladies who are calling me and telling me that they're having trouble getting their husbands on board, even with reducing the amount of stuff that they have because their husbands keep buying more or whatever, like, you got to sit down and have an honest talk with your husband. He is your partner and you cannot reach your goals if he's not on board with them. So tell him what your goals are. If you still can't reach your goals, then you got to do what you got to do. Like, however that works for you, then we can talk about that if he's not on board after you have an open discussion with him. But I think that when you really talk to people and like hear what their concerns are about um, any new venture that you want to, that you want to um, start on, you can you can better come to like conclusions or choices or whatever you want to call them because you have heard what their fears are so like a lot of ladies call me and they're like what you say is kind of crazy it's true it's new it's it sounds crazy because it's new when I first heard all these things I thought well she's Bea Johnson is a crazy nut nutter like she's just nuts like why am I gonna use rags that's my, my grandmother did why should I 
But when I thought about it and I had time for it to sink in and when my husband read the book and when he had time for it to sink in and we talked about it and we came to a conclusion that maybe the road that we were on wasn't the best road for us and that we had new goals and new shared dreams, you know, that was really helpful to us and it was actually a really big, excuse me, boost on our marriage because we came up and we like reevaluated where we were in in our scheme and we were able to make Aliyah and we just were able to look at the whole way we were living our lives and being, whoa, this is way off base from where we wanted to be. And so sometimes the evaluation is actually really, really healthy. Now you might not find what you, you might not like what you find after you tidy up, but it's still really important to have these open, honest conversations. Now, I'm not saying Ellie Sheva is not having that open, honest conversation. It totally sounds like she's having that open, honest conversation with her husband. What I am saying, and this is true for organizing as well as for zero waste, is that you need to create sort of like a timeline for when you think that these things are going to be active so that you can make like realistic goals and it's not happening all at once. When things happen all at once, it's scary. So whether it's reducing your clutter, reducing your chad pami, changing to cleaning, certain cleaning supplies, decide to make the shift by a certain time. Like you might want to just, you might decide that, okay, I do want to switch to vinegar as fabric softener, but I have all this fabric softener. What am I going to do with it? So you might decide that it's worthwhile to phase out the the fabric softener slowly over time. And then when it's finished, instead of buying a new bottle, you switch to vinegar. That could be a solution. Um, and then you can give yourself a deadline. When this bottle is finished, I'm switching to vinegar. The same thing. You don't have like a hard and fast date on it, like December 31st. But you know that it'll take you approximately three or four weeks to finish it. And then I'm going to switch. Same thing with your husband. I'm going to give myself four weeks. Okay, that's Rosh Hashanah time. And then this, and I want this and this and this to happen. Or right after, I remember when my children had pacifiers. We really wanted our twins to stop using the pacifiers. And we kept telling them for weeks at a time, after we come back from our trip, after Thanksgiving, there's going to be no more pacifiers. And we kept talking to them about it and understanding it to them uh, or explaining it to them. And then when we got back after our trip, you know, we were in the car and we're like, when we get home, there's no more pacifiers. When we got through the door, they each handed us their pacifier. And it was like they knew and it was time and they were ready because we had talked about it. And it's true that the next few days were really, really hard. And we had to get used to the no pacifiers. And that was challenging. But the thing is, is that... Um, it's more manageable for all human beings when we have like goals and timelines and dates where we can make like our expectations m more manageable. So I hope that that was clear. Um, I really want to um, just sort of get to that point where like, it's more easy for you. And now Elishev and I have had some conversations and I know that she's had like some really great experiences living abroad and how she can, um, she's really on to, on board with the zero waste. So I know that this is really hard for her, but I really think that like slowly but surely you can get to where you want to go. Chad Pami is not your your hill to die on, Elisheva. Um, start with the dish soap. Start with the, the, 
the washing machine detergent. Stop with, start with natural cleaning products. Start with getting rid of the ants, and then you can focus on the chad pami. It doesn't have to be like the biggest thing first. So, okay, I hope that helps you. Um, Rena called and um, she said she likes the lectures a lot. She really likes the lecture with Naomi and she mentioned to me how uh, either I or Naomi, I don't remember who said it, how one of us said that like Hashem is in charge of the world and sometimes there's a thing about like bad business deals and you know how part of it is our fault and not all of it's Hashem's fault and how Hashem allots everything to us on Rosh Hashanah and that's it. We get what we get and um you know, there's no more that we can get, and maybe we can use it up by a certain time, but, you know, it should, you know, we should try to make it last for the whole year. Here's the thing, I don't actually think that we get what we get, and we shouldn't get upset. Like, um, from what I've learned with Chai Hinda is that Hashem can give us free gifts. Hashem can always give us free gifts, and um, we can ask Hashem for free gifts, and what we get at Rosh Hashanah, yes, it's true, we get allotted a certain amount, and like I have said previously, we get allotted a certain amount, and that's how we know when things start to break, that we're like sort of at our quota, and that's how I know that we should reduce what we have so that we're not going over our amounts, and that we can can really make sure we have for the whole year like keep your spending in mind so you're not going to go over your quota what Hashem allows you but I actually do think that we can get more than what Hashem allots us um, I just don't think that's the goal I think the goal is to be happy with less so we should say like okay I have X Y and Z I'm so happy with X Y and Z if Hashem wanted to also give me you know A Thank you. That would be such a, a blessing in Parnasa. Hashem can do everything for me, and I know that Hashem can give me this free gift. I don't think that there's any problem with that, but I, I also kind of think that, like, it doesn't come out of our general account. It's a bonus. Like, you know, my husband, um, Baruch Hashem, works for a great company, and every year at the holiday times, actually here in Israel, it's Rosh Hashanah time, you know, they close their financial year, and they decide how much bonus they could get. It's not part of his regular salary, but it's, it's a bonus. It's an extra. Obviously, that comes directly from Hashem, but I'm just saying the analogy is, is that the company says you all, you get you know three hundred thousand shekels a year. Oh, by the way, depending on how good we do as a company, how much you contribute in in the company, you'll also get X amount. Now we're not saying how much it is, and we're not committing to a certain amount, but you'll probably get a bonus, whether it's ten thousand shekels, whether it's eighty thousand shekels. Which wow, that would be a huge bracha. But you know, more likely it will be five thousand shekels. Five thousand shekels is still wonderful, excellent. It's still Still a free gift so like we can't take that we can't plan on it we can't use it as our in our budget we can't you know but it's a nice bonus when we want to like maybe go away or we don't have to worry a little bit as much about having so many guests on Shabbos or whatever it is the point is is I do definitely believe in free gifts I just think that overall how we allot our money and our possessions over the year is really, really, really important. I think that we have to plan our money and our possessions through the year because honestly we don't know what Hashem is giving us. It could be the regular that we get 300,000 shekels a year and that's great, but maybe Hashem decides, you know, Khalila, you lose your job in the middle. And 
and then you've only gotten 150,000 shekels for the year. So that's a huge difference and you have to accommodate. So if you live with less all the time, and I'm not saying be a pauper, I'm not saying be uncomfortable, I'm just saying lower your expectations, lower your shopping, lowering the amount of stuff you need to feel happier, you'll actually be able to get by much better if chas v'shalom something happens. So I think that that's a really important distinction. Um, and it should help us frame, both from the zero waste and the organization perspective, how much stuff we actually need. So when we have less and we're used to living with less, we need less in case of an emergency. And that's, that's, that's really important. And I, I hope that that was clear um, and that I said that in a clear and meaningful way to everybody and if I didn't please tell me and I'll I'll work on saying it it's like one of my core beliefs and I really have trouble um getting it out in the right words um but but I hope that that made sense to everybody because I really I honestly feel like you know let's say you buy a new shaitel well what are you going to do with your old one you're saving it just in case just in case what you're not going to wear it anymore like Pass it on to a cancer organization or to a lady who's less fortunate than you are and, and make somebody else happy and, um, you know, do something for somebody else. It will help you because it will reduce your, your load and it will, it will lighten you all over. Um, a lady called me, didn't say her name, and she said she hired a personal organizer um she works full-time and she has small children and she's doing 2017 and 2017 and she wants to know what she should do with um childhood keepsakes um she feels like she can't just throw them away um things like that are really challenging because what do you do with them? Your parents bought them for your, for you. You, you love your parents. You're so thrilled that they thought of you, but like, okay, that was 20 years ago. And like, do you really need something with your name on it anymore? Um, <laughs> if it's really sentimental to you, put it in a box filled with sentimental items and sort through it at a later date. But the important thing is just to sort of collect all the sentimental items together and then take a second pass at them. So all the sentimental items that you find excuse me, throughout your house, please put them together in a box, mark it sentimental. Every time you find a sentimental item that you're not sure about, don't deal with it then, put it in the box. When you think you've mastered, you know, the organization in the rest of the house or you've done enough of the rest of the house, then go back and do the sentimental items. And then you can make a decision to see sort of where am I at? Can I, can I do this? Do I need this all? How much stuff do I actually have? What are the best things? Maybe I can just save a few of them. Um, I think that it's just, um, it's the sentimental attachment to things that we don't even really need that is really a problem for us. I'm not saying I have nothing sentimental. I have a huge box of letters that my husband wrote to me before we got married and I, I never, ever, ever look at them. I'm considering throwing them away. Um, I figure maybe one day my kids will want to look at them. Um, it's an area of my organization that I haven't yet touched, um, mostly because I want to do that area of filming it. I want to go to my secret stash while I'm filming, and I haven't found anybody good to film it with me yet. But um, it is something that I do look at. Like Occasionally, I open up my secret area, and I'm like, hey, I have letters there. And then I close the lid, and I don't look at them anymore. Um, 
I think that, you know, it's really an individual thing. I, you got to go through each item. But like I said, going through it at the first time you discovered it in a long time isn't really that helpful. So it's best to sort of to um, group all of the sentimental items together and then make a decision about them. Um, I think that when you do it that way, it's easier to sort of cope. It's not the first time you're looking at it in a while. You kind of will know what's in the box. Because I think that sentimental items have a tendency to sometimes get placed like all around our house and we sort of lose track of them. So this way, if they're all together, um, also they won't be taking up such valuable real estate because they'll all be together in a box. And then you can decide. If you really, really love it, find a way to display it and keep it. If not, do you really need to keep something that's sitting in a box not being useful to you? Um, in the future, say, you know, you don't need anything. <laughs> um, it's actually weird because uh, I'm on a trip right now with my parents um, and my kids. And it's such a great, nice experience. Um, and my mom kind of feels bad that my niece and, and my nieces and nephew aren't on the trip with us. And so she's like, oh, well, what should I buy for them? What should I buy for them? And, and I, you know, I don't want to be like a Grinch and be like, you don't have to buy them anything. They're not on a trip with us. Um, it doesn't, it won't mean anything to them if my mom buys them a souvenir from a place that we went. Like, it's not, like, they didn't go with us. Why is that meaningful to them? So I think you have to sort of look at the situation and be like, what about this is meaningful to me? Is it because my parents bought it for me and they were thinking about me? Is it because this is a very useful item? Is it because it has my name on it? Is it because, you know, I actually need it? What about it is, is the reason why I'm keeping it? And I think once you figure out the reason you're keeping something, it's a lot easier to then let go of it. Is it, if it's because, you know, your parents bought it for you on a trip and they were thinking about you, it's like, great. Now I understand and you can like intuit as an adult. My parents loved me. They were always thinking about me. And you could say, thank you for your service and like pass it on. And it's okay. And it's okay to do that. And it's good to do that. And um, I really suggest that, you know, you really examine what is, is the reason for holding on to objects like that. Um, so, so she also asked me, what systems do, do I, I work with? Um, this is like a very specific question. I work with whatever system is going to work best for you. A lot of people ask me, do you do KonMarie, which is the Marie Kondo method, which is um, the life-changing magic of tidying up. That's her book. I, I don't do a method. I have a, a system sort of that I've shared with you where, you know, you compile all the items that are the same together and then you sort through them piece by piece. How it actually goes back into your closet depends on you. Because the truth is, is most of the time after I've done a session with people, people have half of what they had before. I, my favorite thing is when I go to a client and they're like, okay, I already did my closet and I got rid of four bags of clothes. And I said, great, let's do it again. And they said, no, 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 but I already did my closet. There's nothing else I can possibly get rid of. And I'm like, no, we're doing it again. And sure enough, Every single time without fail, we're getting more bags to get rid of. I mean, the last time this happened, it's in the last two times that it's happened, it's been about 10 additional bags of stuff. And it's really amazing what happens when husbands go through their stuff because 
Husbands never ever think to go through their stuff. If their undershirts like wear out, I mean, my husband does this, but I notice that most other people's husbands don't do this. If their undershirts wear out, they tell their wives, like, I need some new undershirts, but they never really take out their undershirts out of rotation unless their wives do it for them. Now, my husband is actually a Kohen, and here in Israel, Kohanim duchen all the time. And so I'm very conscientious about socks because I don't want my husband to show up on the bima with like socks that have holes in them. So my husband is actually super helpful in the house and he often folds the laundry. But a lot of times I'll notice his socks and I'll be like, honey, I think it's time to give these socks up. Or like I'll see that, that the socks are wearing out and I'll buy him a new pair like to compensate for the ones that we're getting rid of. Um, and I'll say to him, hey, I noticed that your socks are wearing out. So in some level, I think it is part of our job to like um, remind our husbands, just as we do our children, like this piece of clothing is no good anymore. Let's replace it and, and you know, do something new with it or get something new. Um, you know, one of my clients said to me, why is it my job? He's the one who wears the clothes. We both do the laundry. We both work. And that's true. It's not your job necessarily, but I think that sometimes um, people don't notice the things about like that certain things are looking shabby um, and they really love it. And, and like a pair of socks, for example, a lot of men have like socks, a certain type of sock that they really love and the rest of the socks they don't love so much. So those socks get worn out or a pair of pants that they really love. And those, those pants get worn out and they sort of don't realize when it's getting shabby looking. And sometimes they just need us to tell them that looks shabby. The same way you would, the same way you would do it, you know, that I would say to you when we're decluttering, hey, is that really, are you really going to wear it? It has a small hole in it. I mean, you're holding on to it, but is it really useful? So, so do I have a system? sort of, but it, I really tailor the way that I organize with people to the specific person who's dealing it. There's all sorts of emotional things that go into organizing and everybody's different about different things. Some people are super attached to clothing. One lady, I looked at all of her stuff and I'm like, you have too much clothing. Everything else in her house was really organized, but the clothing was like a really big problem for her because she was really, really attached to clothing and she had so much clothing, I couldn't believe it. Other people get problems with paper. Other people have problems with knickknacks. I mean, each person is so individual. I can't say. For some people, it's a breeze to sort their closets. And they have no problem. I mean, I had a client. They were going on shlichut um, um, for B'nai Akiva from Israel to England. And um, I felt really terrible this the they they i had worked with them once before and now they needed some help getting ready to what decide what to take with them to england and the husband had a lot of sfarim like a lot um several hundred sfarim and each sefer was so like important to him and he couldn't take them all with because because he couldn't. There wasn't enough room in the lift. They they just they couldn't take everything with. They didn't have the storage in their new house. A lot of things just had to be given away. And when he was sorting through this farm, it was like so hard for him. It was like he was giving away one of his children each time he had to do it. But like when we went through his clothes, it was like chick chock. It was so fast. 
it didn't it didn't even matter to him he's like yeah those are worn out those are worn out that's worn out that's no good i don't wear it it's too small and he could really get through it so fast but the svarim after he did like a, a section of svarim i looked at him and i'm like you need to go take a walk around the block because you need to like get your head back on straight he was so like emotionally spent so it really depends on who i'm working with what what their attachment is I think the important thing to know is where you need to get help. So for example, this man knew he needed help with the farm. I was working with his wife while he was going through this farm, so I wasn't even really working with him so much, but he knew that I was there and he could talk to me like about any of those things, and that was the reason why he could do it. He just couldn't get through it alone, um, and his wife wasn't really that helpful because she's also like attached to things. So. If there's an area that you have trouble with, get a friend to help you. Make her stand there with you or get your husband to help you. Make him stand there with you and be like, I need some help. Can you help me sort through this and decide what I actually need and what I don't need? And that could be like challenging if it's like your underwear, but if it's some books or if it's a piece of clothing or so many times wives will say to me, oh, my husband really likes me in that. And, and I'm keeping it even though I don't really wear it because my husband likes it when I wear it. And then we show it to the husband and he's like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And she'll try it on and he'll be like, yeah, it looks nice. It's okay. You know, I don't love it. <laughs> and the wife will be like, what? I've been saving it all this time because, because I thought you liked it on me and you like to see me wear it. And like, so I think that being with somebody else gives you a reality check and I think that that's really the helpful thing about organizing I'm not so much like I am the same as if it's a personal trainer if you're overweight and you need help losing weight I'm not going to tell you like the trainer is not going to be like you need to run eight miles right now you slowly build up to the eight miles and she knows how much you can tolerate and what you can do and how much endurance you have and she builds you up slowly that's the same thing with me i will build you up slowly and take you where you need to be it's not going to happen on the first day um i mean for some people it does happen for the first day they just need a tiny bit of kick in the pants but most people it takes a few weeks to really get them to a place where they can can be organized so to answer your question no i don't have like a specific system that i use that i can say is a blanket system for everybody because i do try to tailor my my work to people but i hope that some of what i've said has given you some or guidance on how to um, move forward with organization and decluttering. Okay, so uh, one last thing before we go, uh, two things actually. Um, Bossy from Brooklyn called me and asked me about coconut oil. How do I use it? Um, she also told me that she switched from microwave popcorn to whole popcorn and she got rid of her microwave. She said it tastes so much better, it's so much healthier and she's like really happy that she did it and she makes the popcorn in the pot with regular oil and it's delicious um, and she wants to compost and she asked me about worms. So coconut oil, I use basically the same way as I use regular oil. You have to just keep in mind with coconut oil that in colder temperatures it can get hard. That's okay, it's not bad or anything. It's just that it's very subject to the temperature. If you want it to cool down, you can just heat it up. Um, and, it, and it's fine. Um, sometimes I just, while I'm cooking, I'll put it on top of the stove and that's enough to melt it. Other times I just let it sit in a 
a small bowl of hot water and that will usually um, liquefy it enough that we can that we can cook with it actually for a lot of recipes when it's solid it actually acts more like butter like in a pie crust and it releases air and so it gives you like a more flaky texture so actually in some situations the solid coconut oil is actually okay um, but I actually use it like when my kids have, um, or even I do, have a small rash, maybe like some, some heat rash or something, I use it as a moisturizer for my face. I use it um, every morning. I, I um, For about five minutes, I put coconut oil on a spoon and I do a few drops of oregano oil and I just um, um, uh, push it around in my mouth. And actually it makes an amazing, amazing mouthwash and it really kills bacteria and germs. And I have Baruch Hashem. Leah and her really, really great healthy teeth. Um, it sounds kind of gross, but it actually works really, really well. And it's really, really been, um, it, it works as sort of like a floss and like a mouthwash. And um, I do it before I eat um, anything in the morning. It kills bacteria and it's just, I mean, I just try to use coconut oil for as much stuff as I can. Um, I use also coconut oil, just, you know, I use it as a moisturizer on my legs. Um, if my kids have been having stomach issues and like they've been going to the bathroom a lot, I put a little on their butts and it helps keep it like, you know, from getting a rash. Um, I mean, it's really a versatile cream <laughs> or a food also. Um, we use it um, in place of, of oil in general. Um, we don't, the only oils that we use in our house are we use um, olive oil. Uh, coconut oil and I use grapeseed oil to make mayonnaise um, it's I mean I do also sometimes use um, sesame oil that's the, those are really the only oils we use in our house I never use canola or vegetable oil um, they're made from a lot of synthetic products and I, I they're not that healthy and so I really but I really stick to olive and coconut the most um, I only use grapeseed really for um, for the for the mayonnaise, so I use like grapeseed oil because it has like a very neutral flavor, but it doesn't actually have like it has a higher smoking point. So actually, you could also fry in grapeseed oil, but it's actually kind of expensive. So I just try to use it just for the mayonnaise because it gives it like a neutral flavor that olive oil doesn't give and coconut oil doesn't give. Um, baking is great for coconut oil because it has like a naturally sweet taste so you can actually reduce the amount of sugar you're using. Um, I used to make my, my honey whole wheat challah with it all the time when I made challah um, and it really it's fine and it tastes delicious. Um, it's like it's definitely my challah is definitely like a sweeter challah um, but it's just I always subbed out it was my mother-in-law's regular um, regular wheat challah recipe and I just subbed out the sugar for the honey and and I actually cut back on the honey a lot less than the sugar and um, instead of using olive oil or margarine I use coconut oil and it's really fabulously delicious um, I don't use coconut oil like when we're making popcorn on the stovetop for that we use olive oil uh, I think I think you just have to decide, you know, what you're willing to go through. Like if I make omelets, we should totally use coconut oil. I mean, olive oil, because coconut oil, I think, gives like not great flavor to the eggs. But some people like that. So it just depends on sort of what you 
what you like, what you're willing to put up with. Um, but yeah, that's how I use um, coconut oil. And regarding the compost in the worms, I worms are a way to compost. I personally um, tried the worms and unfortunately I killed the worms. So <laughs> I'm like really not good at sustaining life, <laughs> unfortunately. It's a, like a real miracle that my kids are still alive. Um, but like the worms were just sort of like the first farthest thing from from like I don't know my mind I just I you have to keep like a really big balance honestly I just throw all of my my fruits and vegetable peelings and anything that went rotten that I didn't get a chance to use um straight into the bin I put some newspapers on top if we ever read a newspaper once in a while we have them in our house um, I take, uh, the gardener puts like a lot of the leaf clippings in the compost. Um, if I use compostable plates, I put them in there. Um, and then I just put water in it and I turn it every few weeks. You can get a composter that actually has a crank on it. Um, so you don't have to use like a shovel to turn it and you just sort of do the crank and like the kids can do it and it's super easy and, um, it's great. And I think that it's a good, um, a good way to to deal with household scraps you could get your neighbors to do it with you and you know put it on your flower beds um, just make sure that it has like an opening where you can pull the compost the completed compost out from the bottom um, you know when it's already turning into soil so it should have some sort of like filter if you buy the turning one so bossy I hope that answered your question ladies a lady called me um, Toby said she loved the interview with Naomi. So if you guys want some more interviews, tell me and I'll try to find like some interesting candidates that we can interview. Um, a lady called me and said a good, uh, field trip could be, um, going to the Rockland Recycling Center. It's open Monday through Thursday from nine to four. They, they give you a free tour about how to rec how recycling works and how compost works. Um, you have to make an appointment, I think. It's totally free. It's a great thing to do if you're heading up to the country. Um, the phone number is 845-753-2200. That's 845-753-2200, extension 34. Make an appointment and go see how the recycling and the composting center works. I bet your kids will actually really love it and find it super informative because it's it's really good to like know where your trash goes and how your trash is taken care of. And I think that actually it might get some of your kids, maybe even your husbands on board with um, saving the earth. And, and you can talk to them about how um, when, we, when we recycle, when we compost, when we reduce our trash, we're actually minimizing our waste. And that is in effect observing the mitzvah of Baltashrit because we're reducing what we waste. Um, I want to just say this, recycling is not a perfect, a perfect solution. Our goal should always be to just reduce our waste in the first place, but definitely recycling is a good start. So ladies, I hope that you found today informative. I'm really happy to speak to you. I love hearing your voicemails. Please keep them coming. Let me know your questions. Um, I'm happy to answer them. Um, if you want to send me an email, you can. Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H at B-A-L-A-G-A-N-B-E-G-O-N-E, balaganbegone.com. Rebecca at balaganbegone.com. I really want to hear from you, so send me pictures, send me 
questions, whatever you would like. If you want to check out some of the things that I talk about um, in sessions, I'm going to try to add the dryer balls that I spoke about um, if they're not already there. And I can't honestly remember. You can go to Balagan Be Gone forward slash AK and you can see um, what dryer balls I use or you can use tennis balls even. Um, so yeah, so I wish you all an organized week and I want you to remember as your mantra, Hashem keeps you organized. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you all and I'll speak to you all very, very soon. Bezrat Hashem.